Good morning, or good evening, or good afternoon on this rotating globe, a gem in space. Welcome to the other side of midnight, that magical time between dusk and dawn, when we find ourselves often in another state of consciousness, willing to consider revolutionary ideas that challenge our everyday thought patterns and expand our awareness to new possibilities. Tonight is such a night. Our, I first heard of our guest on a YouTube video from the Global Breakthrough Energy Movement of 2012. And uh, before I go on, I just want to mention, dear friends, that Richard is not feeling well. So this is Kinthea, and I will be hosting the show. He may pop on if he feels better. So everybody send him good energy. And, um, yeah, send, send Richard some love. So, anyway, back to our guest. Tonight's show is the Zimbabwe Ruins at 19.5, connecting the dots from our stunning ancient past to the insane modern world we have created. Tonight, we're going to explore the convergence of science, spirituality, and consciousness our guest, Michael Tillinger, is an author, scientist, explorer, and humanitarian who has become a real-life Indiana Jones, making groundbreaking discoveries about advanced civilizations at the southern tip of Africa. His continued analytic scientific approach has produced stunning new evidence that will force us to rethink our origins and rewrite our history books. Michael is the founder of the Global Ubuntu Liberation Movement of Higher Consciousness with members in over 140 countries. Michael exposed a vanished civilization at the southern tip of Africa that left behind more than 10 million stone ruins. These ruins are not dwellings, but energy-generating devices and are most likely the work of the Anunnaki and their gold mining activity in this part of the world. His major contribution to this research, uh, this area of research, was his discovery of the tools and artifacts that support his scientific findings. And most recently, in January of 2018, countless mud fossils of large beings and animals that do not fit any known descriptions today. Michael, welcome to The Other Side of Midnight. Thank you very much, Kinthia. Great to be speaking to you. I'm really sorry that Richard is sick, but uh, it's uh, e equally nice to hear your voice. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm so excited to explore with you this topic. I mean, it was totally new for me when I watched your presentation. Um Folks, if you'd like to follow along, you will go to the show, the 19.5 Zimbabwe Ruins at 19.5 on theothersideofmidnight.com. Click on the graphic for that show and it will take you to the show page and scroll down and you will see Michael's items there. So, uh, Michael, before we get started and get deeply into your items, I really would like to explore with you what brought you to this work. How did you, what's the journey? <laughs> How did you land up in this amazing work? 
Well, I guess we all have our story and and our trigger points. Um, I see our, I see our, our journeys um, directed and driven by trigger points in our lives. You know, often I suppose um, controlled or managed or uh, subconsciously managed by our passions and our and our things that we attracted to. And um, <clears throat> I recall in high school, um, even as actually even before high school, in primary school, I always used to look up at the sky and, and wonder, you know, I wonder wonder what's going on up there. You know, who really knows what's going on up there? And <laughs> yeah. uh, and just wondering, are there other people up there that live up there? Why don't they come visit us? And <laughs> those kind of thoughts, you know. <laughs> and uh, then in high school, in, in biology class, I was, I think I was 14 years old and um and we're going through normal biology class, and at one point, the, well, we're learning about cells, how human cells regenerate, and and that we create billions of new cells every every day, and um, <clears throat> and at that point, I realized, hold on, if if our bodies are capable of creating new cells every day, um, why do we die if our cells are reborn all the time? And I think it was a very valid question question for a fourteen year old. And I asked the biology teacher, so if, if we keep creating new cells, why why do we eventually stop creating cells and why do we die? Why don't they just carry on and we carry on creating new cells and carry on living? And the answer that I was given by my biology teacher, shame, poor, poor woman, probably <laughs> had no <laughs> clue how to answer that question. But um, she said, well, that's just the way it is. <laughs> and I went, okay, well, that's not an answer. <laughs> that, that means that we don't know anything about it and and I need to investigate this. And that was, I guess, one of my major trigger points that I can't believe anything I'm taught by anyone at, at, at an educational institution. Right. And the children shall lead the way <laughs> because yeah, exactly. they are not pre-programmed. <laughs> yeah. So... So then you you took off on this uh, exploration at at a young age there, and when she couldn't answer you, what did you start like? Uh, uh, were you living in South Africa at that time? Or? Oh yeah, no, uh-huh. this was this was in a in a typical South African mining town called Ranfontein. Uh-huh. Um, I grew up I grew up on the mines. My father was a mining engineer on the gold oh. mines, and then ended up on the platinum mine, the the largest platinum mine in the world. Oh, and so it, that's why you uh, so much. Uh, in listening to the video, you were talking so much about mining, and I thought, wow, he's really got a pulse on that. No wonder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm a I'm a product of the South African mining industry, and uh, mm-hmm. and um, it's interesting. Uh, two days ago, I went to my 40th high school reunion. I couldn't believe 40. I thought that can't be me. Must be no. somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was it was interesting seeing all, all my my classmates from a, a small in those days. It, you know, Rustenburg wasn't a very large town. It was a, a small about eighty thousand people. Uh-huh. Uh, everything everything orientated around around platinum mining and a few other mines, copper and a few other things in the area. But it was a small, well managed, well controlled town in the in the seventies. It's now a sprawling giant with just, just really everything is a mess. Um, unfortunately, under the current government, things are not well looked after and managed. Mm-hmm. But it was just fascinating to see how, 
the my classmates from a small mining town have all spread around the world. Some live in Australia, USA, UK, Canada, and wow. and uh, and and how how you know they many of them done really well. And these are all you know products of a little mining town. Hmm. And well, um, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, it's just. Um, it's just really that that many of my thoughts on what we may touch upon later, the whole the whole Ubuntu movement and creating a whole new social structure for of pro- prosperity and abundance for all, all comes out of my research into ancient civilizations, the discovery of the the ancient gold mining activity by the Anunnaki here, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, the the countless number of ancient ruins as energy devices, the tools and artifacts. Uh, it's all connected, but. But in a way, my my thoughts on living in a new utopian kind of society where you don't need money and where money is not necessary was in many ways formulated and formed by my growing up in a small mining town village, uh, which was outside of Rustenburg, where where everything we had was free. Everything as long as you worked for the mine, oh, uh, you you know you, you had a free house. You, your electricity was free your water is free your garden service was free you got if you once you got to a certain management level you got a free car and free petrol and all the sporting facilities were free and everything was free so uh, as long as you worked for the mine what an amazing uh, life (laughs) exactly and um, and so when i talk about communities that can live for free i come from that kind of mindset if we all work for the same common purpose everything can be available to us all the time because we're doing mm-hmm. it for ourselves all we got to do is replace the mind with the, the 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 greater community that we all are a part of and we have the same kind of structure just mm-hmm. you know but we'll cut we'll come back to that later okay. so i'm curious so so you were growing up in a mining town were they finding ruins i mean is that how you happened to stumble on ruins as they were no, like excavating uh, that was how did that happen no, the the whole ruin thing came many 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 years later. I, mm-hmm. at, yeah, when I was in high school, I was a I was always a bit of a rebel, I guess. Um, never really towed the line. Always did my own thing. Not not so much that I got into serious trouble, like you know, with with the law, but just always pushing the boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I was just reminded of that at my high school reunion you know, on, on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> And it's just amazing how people remember you, you know, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, which is not how I remember myself. I just remember me always being curious and wanting to see things from a different perspective. And and uh, <clears throat> so I wasn't really into into ruins at that stage. The ruins only happened in, in about the year 2000. Obviously, I was interested that in, in recent. The ancient- that recent. No, no. No, no, let me qualify that. Uh, okay. Obviously, I was interested in other ruins around the world. I'm talking mm-hmm. about specifically the South African ruins. Okay. Uh, because nothing was written about them. Keep in mind that pretty much everything you read about the ruins today comes from me. <laughs> <laughs> no one else. Wow. Uh, and and this is the horrific thing right now, is that I seem to be the lone voice in South Africa talking about the significance of the South African ancient civilizations, the vanished civilizations, and the countless number of ruins, because most of our academia, not most, all of our academia in South Africa is still bent on and stuck on believing that these ruins that I'm referring to are dwellings for cattle and sheep or whatever, and built by migrating tribes. 
oh, which is goodness. just the most insane and nonsensical conclusion to reach once you have a little bit, just some basic information about the stone structures and the stone, what we call it, the stone circles. Mm-hmm. Well, I yeah, would think so, with these books that you've put out that there would be, a, you know, a lot of researchers flocking to South Africa. I'm surprised to hear that that they're not doing that. No, uh, I'm the one that's now running the research program, um, as, as you may have picked up from my website. And mm-hmm. um, in fact, right now, I have my second research group here. Um, the first one came in January, and uh, that's when we discovered the fossils. And that was just a stunning, un- unexpected, unbelievable breakthrough that that requires um, quite a bit of time for us to spend on that. The significance of these mud mm-hmm. fossils of giants and uh, weird creatures that we can't identify today um and many of them have seem to have reptilian stroke um insectoid features that that we're picking up in in the shape of fossils i mean and and mythological creature body parts this you can't make this kind of stuff up until you're faced with it in front of you say okay i can no longer wish this away. This is real. I'm holding it in my hand. Mm-hmm. What is this that I'm looking at? You know? Wow. So, I, want to, so, I want to, when we get to that, I really want to find out how you happen to stumble on these ruins, uh, these fossils. Yeah. But, well, this but, is all a journey of discovery. This is, mm-hmm. uh, like I said, this is a, a, at this stage, like a 13-year journey, uh, or 12 or 13-year journey to, to get to this point. But, um, you know, obviously I was fascinated by the, the ancient civilizations around the world, for obviously from the pyramids in North Africa to the, the stuff in the UK and England and I, the ruins in Ireland, which mm-hmm. not that many people are even aware of, the countless number of stone circles in Ireland. Um, and then obviously Easter Island and what's going on there and in the East and Asia and India and China. And mm-hmm. so I was fascinated by all that stuff. Were you traveling to all those sites? Were you traveling no, around I the world? Just, oh, no, I was just reading and reading, reading and researching uh-huh. about mm-hmm. them. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, little did I know that I would then, you know, stumble upon the the significance of the South African ruins, um, and and ex- and expose something that's just been completely ignored right under our very noses. It's it's Amazing. like they say it's it's so. You're staring right at it, but you can't see the wood for the trees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because no one is like it's a totally different paradigm. <laughs> Just but it, it was really in, in 2001 when um, when I moved back from from Cape Town to Johannesburg after being involved in the music industry. I spent most of my early years after school. I, I studied pharmaceutics. I went to university and studied pharmaceutics at Wits University. That's that's the sort of major university in South Africa in Johannesburg. Uh, it had a very famous medical school. That's um, where some of your listeners may know Raymond Dart and um, and uh, Pro- Professor Tobias became very famous for discovering the the Taung skull and the Mrs. Bless and um, all the all the 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 skeletons that are today held as examples of of humankind, the the, the predecessors to humanity, the mm-hmm. evolutionary steps to humanity. And that's why Wits University became famous for that. And I studied at medical school pharmaceutics. And uh, so that's where I got my, my knowledge of, of anatomy and, and medicine and all that kind of stuff. That then, and, Yeah, and yeah. I would see also the, the uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, propensity to think it with a scientific inquiry 
Yeah, exactly. And and now now I look back at at those those in fact we were speaking about that with our research team yesterday when we were at Adam's calendar um, for the whole day making new discoveries there again um, we're talking about the the legacy and the, the block actually that the discovery of the the Taung skull the Taung child and Mrs. Place at Sackfontaine Caves just outside Johannesburg how that is how created like a, a, a block uh, to to people thinking further and and expanding their minds. This this is now like in many ways that's like a line in the sand and saying, well, this is, you know, here's proof of evolution, here's proof of our ancestors, uh, pre-human ancestors, and all this kind of real very naive kind of thinking mm-hmm. uh, based on lack of knowledge, lack of insight, lack of consciousness in many ways as well by these these academics. And, you know, God bless them for, for what they did. But in many ways, they've done us all a great disservice. Well, so how did the penny drop for you? You're in South Africa and you've been growing up in this land and you weren't aware of the ruins. And then so how did this come into your awareness? How did you get that aha and recognize what you were seeing? Well, well, obviously, I was aware of the Zimbabwe ruins. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't aware of the Zimbabwe ruins and their connection to the pyramids of Giza. That's what I discovered myself much later. Um, but by 2001, I started getting very frustrated with um, with the literature, with the books out there that weren't for me weren't connecting the dots. There, they were. There seemed to have been a book that was missing. Mm-hmm. about humankind and our origins and how we were created as slaves for for the for the these these beings and and how the gold mines were our slave camps and so forth and um and connecting it to the rise of the the religions around the world and the control through religion and so forth and and how science and and our knowledge of genetics fits in there so by by 2004 I decided that okay I've got a I've got a I've got to write a book about this because I'm not finding the right book that that pulls all these, you know, connects all these dots. And um, that's so why I sat down. I started writing Slave Species of God. Um, and, oh, so um, that was the first book. That was my first book. Yeah, Slave uh-huh. Species of God. Uh, that was then re-released by Baron Co. in in Vermont mm-hmm. as Slave Species of the Gods. By the I way, specifically. Okay. I, excuse me. I, I just want to let all our listeners know that the books that he's referring to, they are on his page. So, you know, you don't have to grab a piece of paper right now and write it down. If you want those books, you just go to his page and you'll find the books there. Go ahead, please. Yeah. yeah and, and also, if people want to find out more information, just go to my website, michaeltellinger.com. But uh, I, I compliment you on putting together a beautiful page for today's for today's Thank discussion. Uh, michaeltellinger.com is my website and, and you can find a lot more information. Plus also while we're talking about it, all, all the different tours and research packages that are put together for different groups, for people, different in, uh, intentions or different interests. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is, it's really, Kanthea, it's becoming such an interesting subject that is just growing and growing in so many different aspects of information and knowledge. You think oh, you're dealing with some ruins, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. or fortunately for us, the moment you open your eyes, your mind, you step outside of the box that of 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 information that that our academia has all shoved us in, you realize that that these, in many ways, this the discovery of the stone circles for me 
was an eye-opener on the deeper understanding of the mysteries of the laws of nature, sound, resonance, frequency, how that is the source of all things, how that connects us to all ancient civilizations, their knowledge of or thoughts and beliefs of creation. And, and it's just such a beautiful weaving story that suddenly allows you to explain and comprehend pretty much everything in creation. Many of the, the, the ancient um, events that are described and this all and and a, and a deeper a sense of, of, of creation, of God, of the creator, mm-hmm. of, of, our, of our interconnectedness, mm-hmm. you know the whole thing of, of spirituality, Mm-hmm. and uh, how spirituality meets science. All of this is connected to my discovering of the stone circles and a 13-year period of of uncovering and peeling away page after page of, of deception and ignorance to reach the stage that is just an absolutely beautiful, I guess, comfortable phase or a place to be where things are much easier to comprehend. No matter what what I look at or what I'm presented with, the stone ruins of Southern Africa were a catalyst for a deeper understanding to all of it. It's really mm-hmm. weird. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'm wondering, you're, you're such a rich resource of, of these different different disciplines integrating and intersecting. And I, I see here on the first image you have your tour group. So I'm wondering, so when when... People come and they take a tour. They're taking a tour with you. Are they getting, are you sharing with them this multi-layered experience of the the area? You yeah, want to share a little abso- bit about absolutely. these tour groups that you're doing? Absolutely. I know we do different tours. You know, we call them, it started off by doing, um, you know, just ancient ruins of Southern Africa. And then I met uh, my dear friend, uh, Dean Laprini, who's a shaman extraordinaire, uh, he is really the custodian of the, the many of the sacred sites throughout all of Southern Africa that have been neglected by governments. And and his sacred sites foundation is is taking a very strong role to protect and and honor and maintain these sites through the their their custodians, the, the traditional people. Many of them are, are Bushmen or Khoisan um, elders that that have also been marginalized by governments and so forth. And um, so what between Dean and experience? myself. Yeah, and, and so you know, Dean's uh, Dean's uh, speciality is is around Cape, the Cape, and the Khoisan, and and Cape Town. Um, when I say the Cape, that means Cape Town, the Cape Province, and the Eastern Cape in South Africa, and uh, and then also in Namibia and Botswana, Tsudila Hills. Um, my my focus was on the ruins, which cover large parts of South Africa, Botswana, and Zimbabwe, including the the Great Zimbabwe ruins. Mm-hmm. So when Dean and I combine, uh, it is a real rich tapestry of deep shamanic spiritual grounding into the spirit of Africa, the spirit of, of the ancestors and the spirit of the animals and all of those beautiful shamanic. Oh, what an amazing experience as an artist. I'd love to go. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Oh, my and, gosh. And, yeah. People I'm that curious. don't know Dean come on these tours and they just leave absolutely adoring and loving him, you know. Oh, so, wow. So, um, and so then, and then I come, given- I come in with with my research on the stone ruins, the sun circles, the the science and technology connected to our spirituality and and all that. So it uh, and we travel from um, from uh, within the, the borders of South Africa, 
uh, we start crossing over into Swaziland, where, for example, there's we have officially the oldest mine in the world. It's it's more than a hundred thousand years old, and you know we can go there. In fact, we probably go in there tomorrow with our research group. We just jump in the car, we drive, we cross the border. It's it's very painless, and we go and see the Nguenya mine and the Lion Cavern, where which is officially dated by mainstream archaeology to forty three thousand years old. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but, but Peter Beaumont, the South African archaeologist that found it in, I think it was late 60s or early 70s. I, I can't uh-huh. remember exactly uh-huh. the year. Peter Beaumont, in many of the interviews that he did in those days uh, with, you know, National Geographic and all the, the major uh, magazines around the world about his major discovery, he very openly stated in his interviews that he believes the mine is more than 100,000 years old. But the official dating was set at 43,000 years. Oh, my goodness. See, yeah, I am totally convinced that there have been multiple civilizations throughout time time on this planet Earth. It's it's not just our current one, not at all. No. And I'm so curious. I'm so curious when you're going with Dean, has he like surprised you with the way of his experience of the ruins? Has he like reveal to you things that you weren't expecting or uh, of course you know we get when when you're dealing with shamans and 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 uh, people that are deeply connected to the to the spiritual and and that can talk to the spirits and talk to the ancestors mm-hmm. uh, you you experience some very unique and and uh, unique situations where you know suddenly you you would arrive at an ancient site and suddenly they start having a discussion with the custodians, with the, with the guardians of these mm-hmm. sites. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so we download a lot of information in, in, the, in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's people that that don't know anything about this place and they start telling you, giving you information that they're downloading from talking to the, to the guardians and the custodians of these sites mm-hmm. and, you know, the spiritual custodians. And mm-hmm. they give you information that, that you've known and you wonder how they knew about it because you never yeah. shared it with anybody. <laughs> so, well, because they're tapping into the source. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're tapping into the collective consciousness, the source, mm-hmm. and and the information about what really happened there. So you're quite right. There were multiple civilizations. There were many layers that we often forget. So even when I talk about the stone ruins and the stone circles of South Africa and Southern Africa, because it covers many borders, mm-hmm. um, it's not just one group of people. It's not just the Anunnaki. We're dealing with many other beings uh. that have been here for extended periods of time, even before the Anunnaki and so forth. And mm-hmm. this is why it is such a complex subject. And anyone who claims or believes that they know how it all happened or they've got it all figured out mm-hmm. is either incredibly arrogant or just delusional. Uh, mm-hmm. And 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 uh, just all we know every day, I find that what I held dear, what I believed yesterday, might be mm-hmm. shattered today by my new my by new discoveries. That's yeah, I'm totally on board with you on that. We have to be willing to to break apart what we think moment by moment to invite the new, the refresh. Yeah, yeah. and. Um, we're going to be going on to our half-hour break in just a few seconds, so I don't want to de- delve deep into something, but I want to uh, really 
encourage everyone to check out the page, check out his tours, check out the video that I put down in my items of uh, Michael's talk at this energy conference. It will blow your mind. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's yeah. amazing. <laughs> well, I think you, you keep talking about my my presentation at the energy conference, and people might ask, well, why is a guy that talks about ancient civilizations at an energy conference? Yeah. Very, very importantly, because most of the ancient sites that we have been discovering are all energy generating devices. Mm -hmm. They are not places for offering and worshiping and kissing, but they are energy generating devices. And we need to get into the deep science of that um, because once people see that, it changes your entire perspective on what was going on on our planet a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Well, we can certainly pick that up on the other side of break. Um, so I want to let everyone know that you are listening to The Other Side of Midnight. Our guest tonight is Michael Tellinger, and we're talking about the amazing ruins in South Africa, and we will catch you on the other side of the break. hour of the other side of midnight be sure to catch our complete live show every saturday and sunday night at 9 p.m pacific midnight eastern for a full three hours of this kind of exploration and be sure to visit the other side of midnight.com as you listen so you can follow our special radio with pictures guest page simultaneously the Kinthea, our hard-working producer specifically prepares to illustrate the topics discussed each show why because there is vital additional information on that Radio with Pictures guest page that I assure you will immeasurably enhance your understanding and enjoyment of what our guests are describing. I mean, would you rather listen to a guest talk about NASA images of ancient artifacts on Mars or simultaneously be able to follow the official NASA images showing you, as you're listening, the ruins? If you'd like to listen at your convenience to all our shows, including our unique Radio with Pictures feature, please visit theothersideofmidnight.com and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. Okay, what do you get with your Club 19.5 membership, besides helping the show literally stay on the air? Well, first of all, you will exclusively, this is not available to the general public, enjoy our enhanced ad-free podcast, courtesy of Chris Bell automatically downloading all the latest The Other Side of Midnight shows directly to your favorite podcast device so you can listen when you want to. Further, as a full Club 19.5 member, you will gain exclusive access to our The Other Side of Midnight 24-7 chat server. 
what I can't help calling the Open Hailing Frequencies Room, which is available only to members 24-7. Now, during the show, that's where you will find other 19.5 members and sometimes even members of the bridge crew, my guests, and even me uh, when I have time. Regardless, you can always relay live questions to me during the show just by going to the Open Hailing Frequencies Room. Of course, when we're not on the air with your 19.5 membership, you can visit our Club 19.5 radio archives anytime and download all our shows directly to your computer, which will automatically provide you a screen size that allows you to really examine the remarkable images Kinthea posts for each show. Okay, <clears throat> here's where I need to get kind of super serious. Club 19.5 is how our show is currently solely supported. In my hopefully not vain attempt to keep commercials <clears throat> to a minimum, if you're concerned about keeping us on the air, if you want to hear information that has been vetted far more than perhaps any other show, the best way to ensure that is to join Club 19.5 and get your friends and family to join too. And if you don't know already, when I drop by open hailing frequencies, you can even ask me directly what the ultimate meaning is behind 19.5, literally the most exclusive club in the world. Please join me and my interesting guests on this very stream every Saturday and Sunday night at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, and be sure to come back and listen to our live three-hour shows. Thanks for listening, and now back to the show. Welcome back to the other side of midnight. This is Kinthea filling in for Richard C. Hoagland. And our show tonight is the Zimbabwe Ruins at 19.5, connecting the dots from our stunning ancient past to the insane modern world we have created. And our guest tonight is Michael Tillinger. Michael, welcome back. Thank you. I'm right here. <laughs> Good. <laughs> this is like a maiden voyage for me. No, not really. <laughs> but, <laughs> so we were talking about energy and these devices and how it's going to just shake up the world when they realize what these devices are and how they um, fit in with energy. And since I had the privilege of watching that video, I'm not going to give anything away. I'm going to let you tell the story dear yeah so i think just to to connect the dots a little bit further um i um first discovered the stone ruins um or heard about the stone ruins in south africa obviously other than great zimbabwe great zimbabwe are famous already from from the the 1800s and much has been written about them and spoken about them and so forth. But obviously, during Zimbabwe's uh, t t turbulent times, um, the tourism dropped there. But that's back 
back to almost back to normal now and and it's it's actually great going to Zimbabwe because the people are just so beautiful and friendly and loving um but great Zimbabwe ruins um um little did I know that they are actually part of the the rest of the stone circles and the ancient ruins of southern Africa this is all one giant uh, empire created at, at the stage it seems by the Anunnaki um from the research um, much of it actually is referred to by Zachariah Sitchin in his work and the translations. Um, they ref he refers to, 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 in some of his translations, to places that he did not even know existed. And Adam's calendar is one such a place. So that, it's, by it's the way, everyone, Adam's calendar is number two in, in Michael's items. Yeah, uh, the group, the, the number one, the tour group is actually standing right in front of Adam's calendar. The, the, the two calendar stones are the two central stones, like two vibrating plates at the center. And then you have a closer look at them, which this picture was taken yesterday, actually, when we were there uh, for the sunset yesterday with my tour group, with my research team. And why is and, it called uh, calendar stone? Well, um, <clears throat> that's why I placed that picture there so you can see the shadow. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, cast on the on that stone, uh, and that shadow is really an indication of the passage of the year. That mm -hmm. shadow, you can see the stones are slightly leading to leaning to one side towards the edge of the cliff. And uh, just excuse the barking in the background. My dog's out, uh, obviously being irritated by something. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you see the the shadow being cast. So. Uh, that's really that's why it's a calendar stone. It is a it's a probably the best example of a working sun calendar of that size. That is probably way more, more than a hundred thousand. Uh, in fact, I believe it's close to three hundred thousand years old. Uh, we can talk about the dating techniques and how why I think so. I'm not just sucking that out of my thumb. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of reasons, not just one reason, many reasons why I say that. Um, and um, and connected to the origins of humankind, but built into it is the the mechanism to actually tell the passage of time on this planet of ours. And so that shadow that you see on on image number two, Adam's calendar shadow, mm -hmm. that shadow moves from the left edge of that stone, which is the summer the summer solstice, and then it starts to move to the right as the sun moves as it sets. So the shadow is cast by the setting sun, mm -hmm. and then the shadow moves moves from the left edge right across to the right edge until it sets on the uh, on the winter solstice. Um, and then it starts to move back again. So you can tell every day of the year by where that shadow is at the sunset. I it's, see. It's so quite it's at sunset time is when they there. It's, it's yeah. when you mark the hour, the day. Yeah. Or, mm -hmm. So see. it's still a work. It's still a working calendar. It's probably not as accurate as, as it should be, but it's. It's there. You can still use it if you wanted to. So are you are you using the alignments that this has to help date it to, to, to this, you know, hundreds of thousands of years ago is because you're you're saying that the alignments would have been such and such at such and such a time. And because you uh, say yes. it's not accurate now, yeah. is that how you're dating? Yeah. Yes and no. Um, it's just difficult because the, the alignments that the thing has moved, it's shifted. So we don't really know to what it may have been aligned originally. Uh, mm -hmm. You mean what, the earth uh, shifted, so it, it shifted as well? Uh, well, this is the this is the thing. We don't know. I don't know why why it's not aligned. What happened? But what we do 
know is that the the calendar what we do know is the ancients did not make mistakes they didn't accidentally build you know built this very elaborate machine and i need to stress again this is a machine and we'll talk about the the scientific electronic measurements why i can say it with such confidence and it's carved like that it's it's well, not it's, the natural rock it's carved because i see an angle there yes so the one side of it is natural mm -hmm. and this the side that you see carved, that's the winter solstice sunset. So it seems to me that it was the, the, the stones, the calendar stones, which are at the center of the circular of the circular site. The whole original site is a circle of standing stones, a little bit like Stonehenge, but not that big. The stones aren't that big, but far more impressive and powerful once you see um, the, the age and, and what they actually do mm -hmm. um, from the electronic side and the, and the amount of energy that they generate that's really um, and, awesome i'm listening to you talk about energy emitted from the stone i mean nobody talks about that i want to hear more about that oh yeah uh, it's uh, you know one <laughs> this is the thing this is why our, our education system is just so messed up we don't get taught anything of importance and consequence you know our, our entire education system is structured to turn us as you know by now we all should know and back, i need to bring back. it up is this and this is why we we such you know ignorant beings of like a species with that with 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 amnesia and and with no knowledge of anything like babies being lied to and manipulated lambs to the slaughter and pretty much all we do throughout our entire lives is you know work earn money pay taxes and die you know surely that can't be the meaning of life <laughs> so anyone that rises into any higher levels of consciousness or enlightenment will realize that we need to break out of that system and, and this is why the knowledge of the ancient civilizations what happened how and when this enslavement of humanity took place and perpetually and consistently and methodically over thousands of years kept us enslaved and dumped down at and at various moments kept pushing us back and redumbing us down so we don't rise above our own pay grade as a species mm -hmm. and uh, it's just it's just beautiful so to to see once the the you know the pennies fall into place and you got mm -hmm. you start seeing it well um, you know you say something there that i i i you know i'm still wrapping my head around it which i don't know that i totally mm. So we're talking about, and Richard would, I'm sure, agree with you know about being dumbed down. But I often think about like, is it some external force that's dumbing us down, or is it the the physics of where where we are moving in the solar system and how the planets are moving? You know, because you look at the the yugas and how there are these cycles of energy. And so are we in a stream of consciousness that flows down and then it flows up and it flows like the in and out breath of God. So I, I don't, I, I really have a hard time letting go of the, for me, the reality that each person has within them that core to be um, their own sovereign to, to, and I, you know, I just, I have a hard time embracing that somebody else is going to control me unless I relinquish my uh, control and live by default. But if if I um, live more consciously, I think we can be 
more free. Well, you know, those are beautiful spiritually minded words and higher knowledge and enlightened consciousness kind of statements. Unfortunately, just 100, 100 years ago and 150 years ago, there were still farmers that had slaves that they beat and sometimes beat to death. Yes. They, they had absolute control over those people. And as, as conscious or as spiritual as those people may have been, they woke up one morning and the farmer came in a bad mood and just beat them to death and nothing happened. So, and that's what we're talking about here. Mm. Um, it's a, it's a, it's, I call it the terrible truth. And until we face the terrible truth, uh, we're not going to get past it. That's it. It's, you know, psychological thing. You have to embrace the truth. And once you know the truth and that you're okay with it, then can you move past that trauma? And I believe that's the living that, by I, default. I think that was the living by default. This is a time where we are like waking up. Yeah, but are we still dealing with with this the physics and and the the density and the dimensions of this reality we find ourselves in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that this this is it. You know, <clears throat> people wake up around me in my little town every morning and they wonder how they're going to feed their children. That's their yeah. reality. That's what yeah. it is. And you can to be as spiritual to them with them as you as you want. It's not going to help them. They're going to look at you and they're going to nod, say yes, yes, yes. And when you leave, they're going to carry on wondering about how they're going to feed their children. And if they can't find a job, they're going to go break in somewhere so they can steal some money so they can go and buy some bread. Yes. So these are the realities. And we can't wish those away through, you know, becoming all spiritual and high and and, and mighty and, and thinking that our thoughts are going to solve the problems. Yes, our thoughts can solve the problems, but we also need to act. Our physical acts combined with our thoughts is are far more powerful. Oh, and, I and totally is- agree there. I don't think that we're just supposed to think about, <laughs> contemplate our navels. That won't do anything. We have to act yeah. on it for sure. And and the same, the same frustrated physical enslavement that most of humanity is trapped in today through the socioeconomic financial systems that mm-hmm. are that have been evolved meticulously over thousands of years and again that's where that's yes. where my research into the origins of money comes in and that 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 re- resulted in the, the launch of the ubuntu movement that provides solutions for the current socio socioeconomic systems very very soon changes the system like Buckminster Fuller says you don't change a system by fighting it you change the system by creating an alternative that makes the existing one obsolete and and it's incredible when you start thinking of it like that how simple it actually is but we'll talk about that later but mm-hmm. what, I, what I'm really doing is showing you how everything is connected and yes. the moment people start dividing and separating things on any kind of level from science, spirituality, history, archaeology, the moment anyone starts to separate things into little compartments, they've gone, they lost, because then they lose the connectedness of all things. I'm totally in agreement is, with that. Totally. Yeah. It's like trying and, to fence the sky, for goodness sakes. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, so the reason why you and I can have this conversation right now is because we've reached a certain level of consciousness and enlightenment and we've got inquiring minds and the technology that's been developed for us by those that are trying to enslave us, we're actually using as tools of liberation. Now, isn't that a beautiful twist in the tale? Well, okay, so here's my other question to you. Maybe it's not that those tools were to enslave us. Maybe it was like you don't give your car keys to your four-year-old until you know your four-year-old can drive a car, you know? Maybe maybe we were not given those keys because we were still very unconscious and we would do terrible damage to ourselves and everyone else. Yeah, now I I think I know where you're going with that and I would agree with it to a certain extent. However, we 
still have to do with the physical realities of the past and the events that mm -hmm. at one stage we were bred as cattle for food. You know, and there's no denying that. And um, how do you? And, okay, uh, okay. So, I'm not. This is, I, this, this is really important. Now, uh, uh, the moment we start talking about the Anunnaki and the history of our planet, we have to bring in the the incredible work and research and translations of Anton Parks. Now, unquestionably, Anton Parks is the world's leading authority on Sumerian texts on Sumerian translations, way beyond uh, anything that Zechariah Sitchin may have done. Zechariah mm. Sitchin really laid the foundation for us and in many ways misinterpreted things, but he opened the door for us to think and to open our minds and hearts and eyes and embrace what I call the terrible truth mm -hmm. of the slave species being created to be slaves in the gold mines by a, uh, an ignorant or lower consciousness beings. And just because Anunnaki had the knowledge of genetic cloning and higher technology didn't make them conscious or didn't right. make them higher enlightened beings. They were mm -hmm. just abusing their, their knowledge of technology and, and, and traveling through the cosmos. Uh, and uh, the other discussion we need to have is what is the cosmos? What is actually out there in space? Um, mm. Because I no longer believe what I've been told by NASA. And these are very important considerations on every possible level. We have to question what we've been told by our authorities. Um, well, so, I'm curious yeah. when you say when you say about space and you don't believe what NASA has told us. Are, are you referring to um, anomalies on other planets? Or are you referring to the structure of the of the galaxies and systems? Can you uh, much share a little it, more? Mm -hmm. okay. Pretty much all of it. Um, I think many of your listeners will know that NASA uh, or that 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 um, Hollywood plays a very important role in in hiding hiding real information in plain sight. You oh, know, yes. they hide it in plain sight in the blockbuster movies, busting the block of our unconsciousness. Um, well, actually, Richard would chime in here, and he would say that that was deliberate from the Brookings report that they were. NASA, when it was first launched, you know, got this Brookings Institute to do a study. And, you know, if we they asked if you found evidence of life off of Earth, what should you do? And they said you should keep it quiet until you educate the public through the media. So, you know, it looks like the media, the movies have been seeded with these ideas to get us to acclimate to the ideas to embrace this uh reality that we are not alone in this universe yeah look the the i th don't think any sober-minded person thinks that we're alone so i like to move beyond that you know yeah. we, if, we, yeah. if we're going to get stuck on contemplating whether we're alone that then, well, then we, we're actually debating in the sure dark ages <laughs> yeah so i don't even want to talk about that we just assume that we're not alone and there's an infinite amount of life out there because mm -hmm. creation is infinite and the and the brilliance of the creator and the creation process is an infinite process and we ourselves are products of that creation so therefore we are creators ourselves and our first instincts as little children from the moment we are born is to create isn't that our first human instinct and our human nature is to create 
And so this is what I often uh, get you know, into discussion with people about human nature is to be nasty and horrible and violent. I go, no, that, that's a byproduct of your social structure and your, where, where you're brought up and the society that you're brought up in and, and the subconscious scars that you carry mm-hmm. from either the family or the community or whatever, wherever you grow up in. Uh, what, what, what we, and you might have some genetic traits, obviously, as well, that, that cause certain behavioral patterns, but... Uh, but overall, uh, what we want to do as human beings is to create and be creative and give expression to our creative talents. And the moment we are prevented from doing that, that's when that that antisocial behavior kicks in. Right. And we, and we start behaving badly and doing things that we normally wouldn't do because we have frustrated souls, frustrated spirits and souls trapped in this meat sack with a skeletal frame and uh, wondering why we can't express our creative talents. <laughs> <laughs> I remember there was a Star Trek program where they called us bags of water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And wondering who are these people telling me what I can and cannot do. Right. Uh, right. And, uh, and, and that applies to, to what you and I are doing here right now, you know, talking about, things that have we that we've researched and we've found and discovered and yet there's still some people today that will try and tell you what you can and cannot research i find mm-hmm. that quite startling yeah because they're and they get yeah. upset and they get upset when you bring up certain topics like certain topics are just like no go zones no go right. areas because it threatens their stability oh absolutely it's everything yeah they've been pinning their their house of cards yeah. The realities they've been constructing on sand instead of rock. Well, it's not only that. I mean, some of the some of the the areas of research that have been out there for quite a while, some longer than others, have become guarded fiercely and violently by the current system. Uh, and I don't even want to go there. I don't even want to mention the the words because the moment you mention them. Uh, yeah. People's entire psyche changes. Yeah, just by mentioning well, it. Yep, yep. And uh, so I just want to, you know, let your listeners keep their eyes and their hearts and their minds open, saying, you know, please don't do that. Allow people to research everything and anything. Because if you told me 20 years ago or 30 years ago that I'd be talking about, you know, walking through ancient sites that were not built as dwellings for people or cows, that they were energy generating devices. And that the temples in Egypt were not temples for for gods or whatever; they were energy generating devices, and, uh, and that we are downloading information from from guardians and gatekeepers and custodians of these ancient sites. Uh, I, I might not have been very comfortable with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I would, I think most of the world is in that place that they're not comfortable with it. I mean, we are we're like the tip of the rocket ship. exploring we're opening the path so one of the you know just we're jumping around quite a bit i want to come back to the stone ruins and the energy devices and the evidence um, the science and the evidence behind it that's really important because uh, whatever whenever i do my lectures and presentations and i'll invite people to go onto youtube just put my name in and and watch any of the latest presentations especially the one from sedona in 2017 um, the new one from 2018 will be up soon. It just goes a little bit further. 
but you know I deal with with uh, with the energy, the ancient civilizations, the, the 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 technology they had, their knowledge of sound, resonance, and frequency, how to use sound, resonance, and frequency as a tool uh, through which by which they could cut mountaintops and move them, by which they could do anything they wanted. Um, which to us would be ab- seem absolutely unimaginable, and yet when you have that technology, it's it's just a piece of cake. It's like you can do anything you set your mind on, pretty much. And um, and once you have this information, it shifts your perspective on pretty much everything else as well. It's startling, uh, so actually. It's just, it's yeah, startling. it's just it's, it's just the knowledge that we have, the information, and and mm-hmm. when you have discussions with other people and other researchers, and and especially mainstream academia, who are whose information and their knowledge and their education is that of compartmentalization or compartmentalized information. So they only know about geology, or they only know about this only astronomy and only archaeology and only so or only electronics. And if you if you try and bring it all together for them, they they can't because they just don't know enough. Right. And therein lies the problem. Um, so this is why it's so important to in this work that I do specifically is to keep an absolutely open mind and and learn as much as I can about geology, about archaeology, about astronomy, about electrical currents, about magnetism, about mm-hmm. electronics, about frequency, vibration, about the zero point, about toroidal fields, about, uh, you know, ancient tribes uh, and the tools and artifacts that they may have used, and so forth, and um, a renaissance and man. <laughs> and 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 only then can you start recognizing things when you find them, because you can place it uh, somewhere that will be relevant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and <laughs> it's just it's a very exciting time right now to be studying this because it is bringing us very rapidly to a, a deeper unraveling of what I call the terrible truth of humanity's abuse over thousands of years. And um, yeah, I want to bring, um, I'd like to bring Anton Parks and his research into this again um, a little okay. as, as we All go, right. because it's critical. And, and if your listeners aren't aware of who he is, then this is the time to sit up, pay attention and right. get into Anton Parks as quickly as you can. Because if you don't, you're missing 90% of what is going on in the Sumerian texts. Well, Maybe we, can, even we can pick that part up on the other side of the break where we'll be going to the break. I want to let the listeners know that I will post on the page your Sedona 2017 uh, presentation. And uh, if you want to give me some links on parks, I'll put those up as well. Yeah. Um, I, I also want to express to you, Michael, how much I am appreciating your blend of the different disciplines i i think that is so pivotal in making any kind of uh change or understanding of where we're going it it would be you know to have only one sense it's like looking out through three inches of space and you're ignoring all the rest of you know this huge universe so this hunger you have, this excitement, this enthusiasm is um, really wonderful. So I want to let everyone know you're listening to the other side of midnight.com and the Zimbabwe ruins at 19.5, connecting the dots from our stunning ancient past to the insane modern world we have created. And we have Michael Tillinger and we'll pick him up on the other side of the break. 
talk to you in the audience around the planet tonight. I want to talk to you about the kind of meta objectives of the Enterprise Mission and the Other Side of Midnight, this radio show that you're listening to right now. As you know, we have sponsored a number of important research projects through this show over the last couple, three years. We've raised money for electrogravitics, for M-Drive research. Um, we're looking very hard now at this whole orgone accumulator technology. And I want to use the Accutron, this inertial sensor, which I developed following the lead of Bruce De Palma many, many decades ago, to put the Accutron in an orgone situation, in the accumulator or in an orgone blanket, these multi-layered uh, concoctions that somehow seem to trap or densify the ether. And yes, ether's real. There is a physics of the ether. And the problem is that it all costs money. It all costs funds. So we've added a new wrinkle to the Other Side of Midnight website. Over on the left-hand side, if you go to theothersideofmidnight.com and just look over on the left, you'll see under the uh, banners which say things like Home, Tonight Show, there's a Donate button. And there's also some Donate buttons in the middle of the page if you uh, happen to get the right show. But mainly over on the left, it says Donate Now. Normally, I don't like asking folks for money. But money is energy. Money is the ability in this culture to do things, to accomplish things. There is a huge need and necessity for a game changer. We need to bring humanity back together to realize its commonality and not its differences. And that's in part what this show is trying to do with a variety of programs. And part of our research effort is trying to do with a variety of, of uh, projects there. So if you have some spare change, if you have more than spare change, go to that button. Go to the left-hand Donate Now button and click on it and send us what you can spare because communication in the 21st century costs. Everything costs, but communication more than anything costs because you have transmitters and internet connections and bright people and complexity of computers. Oh, my God, complexity of computers it all ultimately has to be paid for somehow. And as you know, you can also join Club 19.5. That's an easy way to support the show because then you get archives, you get seminars, you get this thing we're going to be doing in the next few weeks on how to look at these images. And um, there are ways you can look that will give you insights to what you're seeing that will not be found uh, on NBC or CBS or ABC. So again, go to the left-hand side of tonight's show page or the guest page. Click on the donate button and send us what you can spare because, believe me, every dollar helps.
Thanks for listening to this exciting first hour. Now, the second and third hour of the show is available to Club 19.5 members only. Please support the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 and join our very interesting community. To do that, please visit the website, theothersideofmidnight.com, and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350-plus shows that we have done. Now, recent Club 19.5 member archive recording have the commercials removed, and the sound quality has been enhanced. You'll also receive a dedicated private podcast feed that contains these enhanced show recordings. And you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the archive if you prefer. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll have access to a private chat server that member used to chat about the show during the show, and you will have a direct channel to post a question that will be read on the air to the guest. And you'll have a place to post questions during our open hailing frequencies. We realize that not everyone wants to call in live, and this gives you an easy way to participate in a live show without having to participate. Club 19.5 members can use this private chat to talk about the shows, ask questions, suggest new guests, and I may even pop on from time to time to answer specific questions. Also, the entire bridge crew is in these participating chat channels, so you can interact with them as well. You'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports. We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward. And boy, have we got some amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks. So please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned. I want to thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your guys' support, this show would not be on the air. Please help us continue growing the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 today. And when I say we really need you, we really need you. Over and out.